we are again, and, and this time I have a friend with me. Actually, I have a family member with me. My cousin, Shea Kerwood, is here. Hello. Have you been on a podcast before? I just found out what a podcast... No, I'm just kidding, but... <laughs> but yes. I'm just realizing uh, now that you're in my headphones, what a great podcasting voice you have. Is that true? Yeah. I wonder if we're going to end up sounding similar. I I do feel like we sound a little bit yeah, similar. Yeah, I think yeah. that's possible. So people may or may... I should pan them left and right so people know who's talking. You know what? I'm just so excited to be mistaken for you one day <laughs> and that'll just dreams can come true exactly. i think it's happened well it's happened before so well actually let's like introduce you a little more first yeah. shay does a lot of creative stuff so it you're not just here because of the friends and family discount you run an agency called brand smith here yeah. in calgary yeah. and you do brand development and uh, you explain it because you're better than me in one tweet how would you say yeah. what brand smith is <laughs> Um, yeah, I think you hit it on the head with uh, brand development. I really develop a passion for creating and executing brands at an early on stage of um, either a project or company's life cycle and developing a voice for a company that can live on its own and kind of create an idea of, well, of what, what that is. So to be more specific, you know, outside of just like the, the tone of a company, that means things like... Sometimes it's a logo and sometimes it's a website and sometimes it's like language that they're going to use. Sometimes yeah. it's uh, social strategies. Yeah. And when I think about, you know, a brand and what that means to me and, and how I kind of describe it is it's just, you know, how, what the public perceives a company to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, we like to, I don't know, get engaged in all different facets of it. I really have enjoyed uh, getting bigger into the web space recently uh, logo development is something that I've always been passionate about and uh, just an all-encompassing passion and uh, yeah, yeah. we're trying to engage in it and as many ways as possible. How big is your team now? Just give me, give uh, yeah, there's idea. about five, five of us. We'd like to bring on a few more. So yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Any listeners that are Any listeners great. that are amazing designers. Yeah. We need more of you. In, in Calgary specifically? Ideally. Or, Ideally. But not necessary. We'll, we'll see. Talk to Shay. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, go to Brandsmith. Yeah. <laughs> And we'll see what what he can do for you. So, I mean, I, I I think there's a lot we could. Well, let's actually start with that. I want to I'm going to tease what this show is meant to be about, but I want to actually um, also get some of Shay's expertise out of this. Um, I've had a lot of requests to do well to do a YouTube video, but I'm going to do a podcast first because it's easier about uh, apps on my iPhone. Like this is just a thing people ask about, and I want to address it. We will we'll, we'll dive into that a bit, and then at the and I'm also going to go to an interview with a developer of one of my recent favorite apps that I've been using a lot. And every time I do use it, people ask me what it is. So you're going to find out about that if you hang in there. But starting off, like... I'm just here to find out what that <laughs> app is. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> the teaser is what got me into yeah, the scene. Yeah. I, I, well, and, and you're here to, to play the voice of the audience so you can be the suspense that everybody's feeling. Oh, man. But no, 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 let's talk more about just sort of creative stuff and, and especially like running a small business. I think that's something that we have in common, even though we're in different parts of the creative industry yeah. and that I, I know a lot of listeners have because like, that's what this show is developing into. Like, I, I know you didn't listen to any of this yet, but, <laughs> but if, you, if you listen to the first few episodes, it, like I, I, I was still, I'm still moving towards exactly what this is going to be, but I know that I want listeners to be able to find more secure outlets for their creativity. Right. You know, like people all, uh, not all, 
a lot of people have an urge to just make stuff and share it and get it out into the world. Right. Um, and I want to help them do that more. And I, you know, I think you're in a position of finding ways or helping people find ways that they can turn that into a business, something that both of us did going from like speaking for myself, the things I was excelling at creatively in high school, I totally didn't expect to become a job. Yeah. You know, like I I was just doing it because it was fun and I thought it'd be a side thing. Like I thought um, being creative with technology meant, oh, maybe I'd be a programmer someday at like an office. Yeah. But that is totally not where (laughs) it ended up going. And I didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm in the same boat as you a little bit because I, I sometimes feel like I just lucked into it. Right. You're mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know if there's the potential for something really huge out of this, but I do know that this is a passion of mine. Right. right? And yeah, I guess I feel excited about where I've ended up as well because I'm a designer by mm-hmm. trade and I've ended up with a business and that's all the stuff that's beca- become like a little bit more challenging for me is the growth and understanding what business is and um, the creative stuff always just seems like fun. Right. So um, yeah, it's uh, I think you and I are kind of finding ourselves in the same place where we're just excited that we're here. Yeah. And And now there's new challenges that we never thought about before. I feel like so much of the advice that I see online is, or or even advice that people want to hear when they reach out about like, you know, what, what can I say about uh, starting off as a creative professional? Meaning, creative professional to me is just like you make money at it. Like you do it as a service for somebody else. We make things out of ideas that we have and then hopefully find somebody to pay us for it. True. Uh, (laughs) So what were you doing right before you started doing it for work? And then like, what was the step that turned it into a job for you? You know what? I think my trajectory was pretty standard for the most part. When I first was starting off, Mm -hmm. I went to school for design right here in Calgary at Mount Royal. And yeah, I started working. It was an applied degree. So it was nice to get right. some. Mine was too. Mine was like yeah, really practical. Totally. And so those practicum and experiences and like those practical experiences were, were kind of pivotal moments for me because mm-hmm. I got to see how a large agency operates and I got to see what level of execution was expected in the real world. And uh, the biggest difference for me as well, like coming out of school was, oh my gosh, we don't have timelines like school timelines. We have, you know, two day turnarounds for things that (laughs) we used to get a month to finish. Right. So I think it was that experience at the big agency that allowed me to understand the process and, you know, what it took to be a professional in the industry. And then I think when I went freelance and I did that by, you know, just putting my name up for RFPs and what's an RFP request for proposal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, wait. Yeah. No, I'm here this to get tested. Right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, I, 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 that's not I, something I've, I've had to deal with. So. I uh, I don't fact check me on anything I say. I won't. I will probably get most of the things I say wrong about myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So the uh, just basically used all of the different relationships that I had to just kind of get some work from uh, from people that were willing to give it to me early on and. I've always been relationship driven after that, you know, like just do really great work and have people, you know, want more of it and do a good enough job that they'll, you know, mm-hmm. recommend you to friends. And, um, and that's when I realized at a certain point, I wasn't just making a couple bucks here and there. I was actually working full time. The way I think about um, this in in terms of advice, like if you're going to say something that's practical for anyone else to use is that the first thing to understand is everybody's story is so much their own. 
Um, it's, it's really hard to, there is a general advice, but that's not the thing that'll make you successful. It's more like things to avoid or, or, or there's like generally useful things, but there's definitely no checklist of do all these things and then you're going to have a job that you enjoy. But you know, I, I, I do think there's lessons to be learned. I think a big one is something you just touched on about not being afraid of the business side of it, which, you know, I, I see that a lot, especially with people that take more of the art school approach not to generalize or, or slag on all the art kids that aren't here on the podcast to yeah. defend themselves right now, but that there can be a feeling of like, you know, I'm doing something creative to avoid a real job in a way. I, I'm frustrated and unsatisfied by writing emails and like just uh, sort of doing boring office stuff. Yeah. You're not so, going to lock, lock me in a cubicle, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm going to go be creative. And then the struggle is like, wait, to make money at this, I have to do, you, you have to do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's the biggest difference to me. I think that the largest difference between a successful creative professional and somebody that struggles at it is, is the business side of it. And right. I mean, I'm not amazing at it. I've been, been much more successful since working with my wife who her background's accounting yeah. and she's like a business genius and deals with the hard work of it. But that emphasized even more, like the, the success that I had before we met, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing a pretty good job. I know how to send out an invoice. Like right. I know how to hire an accountant, but then I see somebody taking it to the next level. And like, wow, the more you understand this stuff, the more you're not afraid to deal with your taxes and, and, and negotiate for yourself and know your self-worth, the better you are with that stuff. You can go so much further creatively and end up with more creative control in the end too. Like you can feel more satisfied about all of it if you're not afraid to take on the business stuff. And I think that a lot of people get into the creative industry to avoid it. I don't think that's you. You're a lot of your strengths are like with people and, and stuff like that, but um, I don't know. Like, I'm sure you've dealt with creatives that have those challenges. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that business is just daunting mm-hmm. in general. And I think it's also really tough because, because it's a passion, it's hard to charge money for it sometimes, right? I think that at the outset, I was like, I just want to make beautiful things for people. And right. there is a little bit of an altruism around the idea of creating, right? You want to create so that the world is better, so that people can communicate more effectively, so that people can, you know, resonate more with what it is that you have to say. And so it's a, a little bit of a, a different experience when you go like, I have to charge real right. yeah. amounts of, of hours for this. And I need to value myself a lot higher than yeah. I ever have before, because up until now I've been, you know, a student or an artist, right? right. So, Or even getting past, like I think early on, you can kind of Maybe as, I don't know, as everybody, but I've seen it of like having sort of having too much sympathy for the client. Like, oh, I don't want to charge you like a thousand dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. And if I had to spend a thousand dollars, I know I'd have a hard yeah. time parting with it. So I'll give you a break. Totally. And, you know, just feeling like, no, look, I, this job is worth $1,000 and it's worth that. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't feel that it's worth it, then like maybe this isn't the right arrangement for you. Um, but you're, you're on both sides of it too, because you're both charging for creative services, but you hire creatives as well. Like you, right. you hire photographers yes. and designers and, and all this. Yeah. So when you're looking at somebody's work, like when you're looking in, yeah, this is everybody that's about to apply as your designer. Mm-hmm. When you, when you look at people's work, like what do you look at and how do you judge whether they're right for you? Yeah. Especially focus on f- photography as well. Cause I think maybe there's more photographers than designers listening. But. Right. I think that 
I think this might be a good lesson for anyone that's, you know, applying and wants to get agency work, whether it be on the photography or on the design side. But I think it's just a lot of times we'll we'll look to find someone that fulfills the criteria for the type of work that we want, right? So we'll basically go, okay, we're doing a fashion shoot. We know that we want this type of look. We want to hire someone that has a skill set that's going to accomplish our vision for this, right? So that leads to some specific questions for me. So like, would you look less at somebody that has a more diverse portfolio? Like this is a common concern. It's like, should I only focus on fashion or on lifestyle or commercial? I'll lose some jobs because people won't think I'm targeted enough. That's such a great question because even for myself, I wonder that because I have a very diverse client list, right? right? So yeah. Yeah. Instead of being known for like, uh, you're the watch guy, you design for all the watch brands. Every watch brand comes to you. Yeah. You know, Yeah. We have restaurants and, you know, tourism groups and hotels Mm -hmm. and all sorts of different entities that we design for. So, but it's interesting because a lot of times when I'm looking for a specific project that I need to execute, I'll go, okay, I need, I'm looking for a certain style and I want to know that someone's going to be able to execute that. right? Right. So I think diversity and the ability to execute in different um, forms and like across different uh, visuals is really great, but they need to be executed well. Right. Right. So I probably would, I would want to see something that resonated in your portfolio for an example as a photographer and go like, that's exactly what I'm looking for. But if you had other stuff that you could execute as well, I'd be like, Oh, it's an added bonus. And I can think about them for that project. And you know what? People want a one-stop shop and I'm one of those people. Right. Right. So if I knew that you could execute a variety of different, uh, so that might be something where you're like developing a relationship with a photographer or designer and you want it. See, I, I think that's a really big part of it is that people end up hiring you for the relationship in so many ways. Always. Like over time, it becomes much more important that you enjoy working with this person. Yes. You know, they're going to deliver it on time. It's going to be fun on set. They're not going to yeah. be a dick. All these things are so important and honestly, I think are more important in the end than, than their work, yeah. you know? It's so true. I think that across the board, relationships is why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, like, you know, after designing for a decade, you kind of go, okay, what is my true passion here? And for me, it's, it's building new relationships. It's being challenged. And it's working with people that I really love working with and creating and collaborating, right? So you want to collaborate with people that you know you're going to hit it off with and that you know it's going to be a really great process with. And and even client-wise, like you get to a certain point eventually where you go, you get to choose your clients. And that's a yeah, really yeah. special time to get to, a really great place to get to. And yeah, I just feel like that's relationship-driven as well. You need to know this person values me and they have faith in the fact that I'm going to execute something really great for them. And yeah, I think across the board, it's just all about people. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know we could talk about this for a long time, but of course I, I promised, I promised iPhone apps. So I'm going to talk iPhone apps. (laughs) And yeah, I say iPhone because uh, you're on iPhone too, right? Yes. We're both iPhone people. So yeah, my, my primary phone's a, is always been, um, Apple. I use Android as well, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's never my primary. Um, usually my, my SIM card is, is in the iPhone. So, uh, some of this stuff is crop cross platform, but I'm not going to go and check <laughs> for all of it. So, uh, this, this is, is why I showed up by the way. 
I just to find so you out. could download a bunch of stuff. You're gonna yeah, spend like exactly. hundred bucks on the App Store tonight. One hundred percent. So first, I, I'm talking about my home screen, and I also want to see yours at the same time. I can take a screenshot and I'm gonna post it in the show notes. Where, which part? What part like the unlock your phone? Okay. Yeah. Like what? Like what are your your go to apps you need to reach all the time? This is going to be really embarrassing. You have to, you have to take a screenshot of it. You have to post I the have screenshot. To, okay. Okay. The so, screenshot has happened. So go to the show notes. And you're gonna be able to see. Both both of our, our home screens at the moment, which you know they change sometimes. Let me let me see yours, so okay. I, so I can comment first. Okay, I mean it's a little messy, but no, it's not crazy. This makes sense. Some some of this is in common. I see you have two banks. Yes. Okay. I have my my business and my personal bank. All right. I'm going to get into some specifics on mine. So I organize mine, and you can see this as I'm talking by uh, like the most important apps to reach all the time on my first screen. That's what you'd expect. Uh, and then I have a folder in the top left that is the sort of secondary apps that are reached second most. And then everything else is sort of buried in uh, the second screen. I have a whole bunch of folders and those just organize all of the not daily apps. And I'll usually find that stuff just by searching for it instead of digging around because it was time for that. And you know, the, the stuff on my home screen, that's what I use a lot. Like that's a lot of the reason I have my phone. And, uh, so I'm going to start with like my just favorite app. The app I use the most is, well, do you listen to podcasts other than this one? Other your, other your favorite cousins? Yeah. Podcast? I mean, <laughs> I think it, yeah, it's just, I've renamed it to <laughs> my favorite cousins voice. <laughs> do, do, you, do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. What do you use? The podcast app, yeah, just the podcast yeah. app. Yeah. I really strongly recommend Overcast. Okay, um, it I do know that that one's free to download, and um, it is so much of like what keeps me on an iPhone. There's other things I could, I could go into, but I really, really like that experience, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like it's my main form of entertainment, and uh, it's developed by a guy named Marco Arment, who I listen to his podcast, which I kind of like that connection of it, which he's talking about Apple News but for the most part but talks about the development of the app and it kind of like gives me this closer understanding of, you know, where things are coming from. And then I'm able to just kind of judge that like, yeah, I like his philosophy of what an app should do. I like the way he thinks about how podcast stuff should work. So like really powerful stuff about it. My favorite feature is that the faster playback speeds are just much better than any other app on the iPhone. Like, the other things like Audible or YouTube or whatever uses the default iOS right. audio engine. Like it's Apple gives you a package and they're like, look here, you can use this and it'll play audio simple, but he rewrote it all from scratch and it keeps the sound much, much better as it speeds up. Like it sounds less annoying unless it's less obvious that it's playing faster. So the first thing is that it'll do smart speed where it just removes silences um, and that's like a minimum. I listen to every, sh- almost every show, unless there's a lot of music I'll listen to with that. And it, it just speeds everything up by like 10 to 20%. And if I look, it actually keeps track of how much time you've saved with smart speed. I'm going to dig into mine. Uh, smart speed has saved you an extra 296 hours. I've not, already downloaded it. Not, not including playback speeds. So then you can also say like one times, two times, whatever. I'm sold Tyler. And, and that also sounds better. And so there, cool. there's like more and more, there's a lot of things about it. Also, uh, it has a thing called voice boost and that basically does like normalization between shows. So if one show is quieter or louder than the last, it just kind of raises the voice level of, of everything a little bit so that it's not, cause like a lot of podcasters are amateurs and 
don't know how to mix their show. I mean, even mine, I struggle sometimes to get a volume that I really like and it helps balance that out. For, so all shows are more similar. That's number one. That's my favorite app. We're one for one. Oh. You, I'm sold. <laughs> it's downloaded. It's my phone. Yeah. All right. That'll be the measure of how successful the show yeah. is. How many, how Just many to get download? Shay's download of approval. Yeah. And that is in my bottom bar. So like my, my bar that is persistent, like the dock on my phone has the phone app messages, overcast and mail. What's in your bottom bar? Sweet. My bottom bar. Bottom bar. That's not the word, is it? I mean, it's a dock, I think. In my dock, I have. What's up, dock? The phone. Yeah. Messages. Yeah. Mail. Okay. Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Oh, okay. Same thing, basically. I mean, uh, my audio app. Right. You know, and uh, that's become especially important since the changes to Control Center. Like you, you're up to date, right? Where you swipe from the top to, uh, oh no, yeah. I'm on iPhone 10 on yours. You're on here. iPhone 10. Right. Never mind. So it's not an update. Yeah. On iPhone 10, swipe from the top for uh control center is terrible. Right. But I, I like the updates to control center in general. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, but um, to control my audio. Yeah. So I launched the app a lot more. That's, the, that's my stuff for my mail app. I use the default Apple mail, mail.app, uh, it works. It just kind of works better than the others. I'd tried some before. I think I had like Sparrow a long time ago. Uh, I don't even remember what I've had in the past, but nothing was great. Uh, I've used the Gmail app. I just prefer, prefer mail. And, and most of my mail goes through Gmail. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. In the exact, yeah, like, exact same uh, Gmail business or, or, or using the actual. Gmail. I use the, the, I, Now I'm mail. I use iMail. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a thing. I'm a male that uses iMail. And then what else is on my home screen here? Okay. From the top left at the, at the top left, I have that folder I was talking about and maybe I'll start by diving into that. And I'm going to go through the most quickly. It's got settings in there, app store, you know, access those like pretty often the Apple weather app and carrot weather. I've, been using carrot weather because a lot of people just recommend it people that i i trust and like and it's uh, an independent developer and it's got a lot more personality than the apple mail or sorry than the apple weather but i don't launch it all the time i i don't know why it's just you know habits i end up i end up launching the apple one quite a bit and i've also got the youtube app in there and the youtube studio app which is what gives me all my stats for youtube in general probably an app that I launch more often than I should. I got to stop checking my views so often, but I, I do open that one a lot and I try to keep it slightly hidden. So I'm not constantly launching it. Then I've got messenger from Facebook, which is, I don't know if it really needs to be there. I don't know. I get, I get notified through it and I've got it on my home screen and uh, yeah. I don't know if it needs to be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's still, I don't know if I could rank all the things I get messages through. It's, not the first, but I, I think I get the most, um, I, my family will message me. It's people I actually know that message me there a little more. Whereas messages that come through, say Instagram are more casual, like strangers or, or, or acquaintances. And, uh, and then, uh, I, I message or the like SMS is, that's the most like close. That's like people that I know the best. It sounds like a problem that popular people would have. And <laughs> you obviously that, are very I'm, popular. I'm not that popular, but. Then what else is in that app? I have HQ in there. The, have you played HQ? No. Okay. Well, it's a trivia game that I haven't been playing lately, so I'm probably going to pull it out. But it, it's a good game. Uh, Uber, that doesn't really need to be there either. I don't really reach for it. 
Lyft isn't in Calgary or Canada, is it? Anywhere in Canada? Yeah. We don't have Lyft just for anybody lift, listening. So lifting. And then I also have, um, I have some stuff on the second screen of there. I got to reorganize this, but scannable, which is my app to scan documents. It's my favorite way to scan them. Like usually I search for it. Actually, I don't swipe to it. It's by the developer of Evernote. And why I love the way that it works is you just turn it on and point it at the document and it automatically detects it and takes the photo and presents you with what looks like a scan. Like right. it in, improves the black and white. It it makes it look legible and fixes the perspective. Like it just does it all in one step and you can just say save or send or add other document or uh, images to the same documents. So you can have like a PDF. It's like, it's a great way to track receipts and stuff. Like I use it a lot. Uh, and then the, the final one that's in there is pocket. And that's like my universal bookmarking app. Instead of saving bookmarks to my web browser, it's how I track articles that I want to read or just links to videos or products or whatever. And it saves it all offline. So a lot of the time it's like when I get on a flight, I have this backup of articles that I just didn't have time to read, but I knew I was interested in. If I open it up right now, what do I got? I got why the menu system on Sony cameras is a mess and how they can fix it. Haven't read that yet. The best over ear headphones, the best noise canceling earphones is the wire cutter. How to get medium format colors with full frame. So yeah, I mean, it's like all these just random articles I didn't get around to yet. And then as I read them, I can check them off. I love it for reading. It like simplifies, it takes the ads out of articles as well. Gives you like a cleaner font interface. It's free. It was bought recently. I can forget who purchased it. Okay, I'm downloading it. Yeah, that's a good, it's a really good (laughs) one. Like it's, once you get into the habit of uh, adding stuff to it and you can do it from uh, your phone, it's like they have a, I don't remember what these things are called. The little share droplets, right? When you say that you're going to, you're on a website, you press the square with the arrow extensions. No, in other words, it's not coming to me. And um, you can just hit pocket and it saves it. The app. So, and the URL for that is getpocket.com, not just pocket. And you can, then you can also access it on the computer. Done. Cool. Score, score another one. Yeah. All right. Now we're back to my main app grid and I've got photos app, default Apple photos app which got to use that for a million little things. I had some issues with iCloud lately that are too complicated to explain here, but I was using like the sync thing. Do you, do you use that at all uh, to, to back up? Do you have like pay for iCloud? No, I don't actually I use the free one. Oh, let me, just, not even let me just think about this for a second. Yeah. I, basically Apple doesn't include enough free iCloud for right. it to be really useful frustrating yeah you know what and it's brutal because i lose track of all of the things i'm subscribed to and they can all house a lot of information it's not just a common problem yeah totally so i mean for business obviously like dropbox is huge for me and i think that's probably something that's prominent on my phone as well and just being able to kind of track projects and things like that but yeah, well, that's, just that's coming up really spots. soon on mine. So yeah, like Dropbox is, ha- it's a huge part of how we organize our files. Like, especially that, you know, well, you, you have a team, Anya and I were yeah. a team and are passing stuff back and forth. It's how we deliver to clients as well. We tried a few different services that are meant for just like deli- client delivery stuff. And I honestly found Dropbox works better. People are already comfortable with it. Super simple. And also a, a tip I find and it drives me crazy when people don't do it. When you're sharing a folder with somebody, especially if you're not going to keep working on it, it's not an in-progress thing. Don't just give them access to it. And 
I don't even remember how you get into that. You just like add their email as like a shareable permission. Then it syncs to their Dropbox, becomes part of their computer file system, and it just keeps sitting there and living there. And they have permission to like read and write from it. That That is meant for ongoing projects. Yes. That's what it's for. And if you're just sharing something once, it's so annoying because you have to log into like you have to go through extra steps to add that to your Dropbox, wait for it to download to your computer. And then sometimes it just sits there for a year and you're like, what was this? I don't remember why this folder is here, but I'm afraid to delete it because it might delete it on their end. The way to do it is to send a link. So create a link, just send the link and they can download the files from it. So much easier. No permissions to worry about. No long-term commitment issues. Like, this is how you use Dropbox. Everybody, please. Am I right? 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. Just send me the files. We'll add them to our docket system the way that we organize our files, exactly, right? We'll yeah. use them for what we need to. And yeah, then we aren't shared to the same folder for eternity. So I still have some synced folders that I, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're just sitting there with non-specific names. And also that sometimes people will name that folder like I get things called Stallman. Yeah. Like, why did you, I don't know what this is. Like, I don't name the project, please. You just look really vain when you open up your Dropbox. <laughs> exactly. Everything is named me. Uh, okay. Another really useful syncing app is Google photos. Do you have Google photos? No, that's a good one. Okay. So Google photos is completely free to back up everything. Now, of course this assumes that you're very okay with giving away all your privacy rights to Google. <laughs> um, you know, they have a very different attitude towards that than Apple does, but they'll back up everything at a slightly compressed resolution. So it's not your originals. I, you should think of it as a backup and not as primary storage, but it's, it's very good quality. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember the, me- something like 13 megapixels, I think. And in JPEG. So everything's like recompressed. It's not original, but they'll just store everything there forever for free. So I just leave that app installed, launch it every once in a while, and it just keeps backing up your phone. So then if anything happens, if anything goes wrong, you just have everything backed up. Like that, that is so worth it for me. This is also the thing you should just, you know, when you're at your family's house for Thanksgiving, just install it on your parents' phones and like, cause it's, it's like a free gift basically like here. If, if, if you let me, you already, everybody, you already probably have a Google account. Let me hold your phone for a moment, hit install, and then you'll just have these photos next time you lose your phone and it crashes or whatever. But the only things you have to remember to launch it every once in a while. So I just launched mine and it's backing up 160 photos because I hadn't launched it for a day yeah. or two. Wow. So super worth it. That's, that's a must download. Okay, um, cool. In, unless you are super privacy no, if concerned. it's a Stallman must download, then it is happening. Okay. The next one's not a must download, but it's something I've enjoyed for a long time. It's called Everyday. And it is, it is, I found this out. Wait, no, first I'll explain what it is. It is, uh, takes your photo every day. So it's like, if I use it to take a selfie every day, the first video you probably, you and everyone probably saw on YouTube a long time ago was from Noah Kalina. And it's one guy's face with piano music playing in the background just keeps changing photos really fast. Yeah. And the Simpsons did a reference to it. And it's by this photographer that I actually love. Like he's one of my, surprisingly, like he's not just a random dude. He's a super talented photographer that I've enjoyed for a long time. Again, Noah Kalina is his name. You should check him out on Instagram. And he worked with this developer who is from uh, Victoria, it turns out, and friends with a group of friends that I know, like he's friends of friends and, and just awesome. He also has an app called manual. That's good. So oh, sweet. Yeah. It turned out there's this connection for it. It's like a couple bucks and yeah, I've been, I've been taking selfies for like eight years and then 
it just really easily, like if I just hit play, I can instantly play back my face <laughs> in uh, time lapse for a long time. I don't actually, I don't actually know how many years on this phone. It only goes back to 2015, but I've saved my past phone videos to, to Dropbox. So like, I just like that. I get to watch your beard grow in real time (laughs) and shrink. shrink. (laughs) And then like, as I get new glasses and yeah, it's, it's a fun one. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but especially like it for, I would use it for like babies. Like that's where it's really interesting. If you start on day one, yeah, super cool. And it helps you like line it up so that it's in the same place every time. Oh, that would be awesome. Okay. Then I've got a banking app. Not interesting. Uh, one password. Do you have a password yes. manager? Yeah. I use one password as well. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I mean, there's also LastPass. Uh, from what I hear that people use both like you know, interchangeable. They're both great. But I mean, honestly, everybody should be managing their passwords in some way. The If you don't already know, the biggest risk to password safety is having the same one everywhere. Right. Even if it's super secure, doesn't matter. Um, so the way a password manager works, if you don't already know, is that it basically lets you have, uh, this is too obvious, you have one password, lets you log into the app, which can also be on your computer, and you kind of have access to it everywhere. And then it has a vault of complicated passwords so that you have more unique passwords without having to remember them, without writing them down somewhere. And you can always just call them up and quickly like, you know, copy paste them into the password field. So, I mean, I don't have perfect password hygiene, but I'm pretty good with it. Like everything important is unique and strong passwords. And I couldn't, I don't know how I would do it otherwise. Totally. And most people don't have these apps and I don't know what they're doing. They're just, yeah. I think they're just using the same password. Yeah, for my birth date. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or Your again. birthday. I think yeah. Most people are using Shay's birthday. <laughs> Um, next I got the notes app, the Apple notes app, which uh, I used to use Evernote. I've gone through a lot of different ones. There's so many good third-party apps out there for note stuff. But once they improved the syncing functionality, like it just got really good. I use that app a lot. Like, do you? I use it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's actually like I'm an avid list maker anyways. So, I mean, it's right in my wheelhouse. I I mean, even just uh, like right now I've got a list of, Stuff. Oh yeah, it's right there. Central for you. Yeah. But I, I have all of the stuff I had to do today. Two lemons, lights from studio, slider from the camera store. You know, it's like this is all, and it's all checked off. I can make a checklist. Yeah. I mean, and you guys have all tried notes app. I don't have to explain this to you. I don't have to explain myself to you. Okay. Next <laughs> is Fantastical, which is my calendar app. And are, are you, do you use iCal? Like the the default one? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. You use um, Fantastical? Yeah, it's it's Fantastical. I'm I'm not really very I don't have a super strong opinion about this. A lot of nerds that I follow, the the tech people I follow, have a really strong affection for this app. So I felt like I needed to get it. And I do prefer it. Like its big thing is the way that you can create a calendar item is the example it's got as I start typing is you would just start typing real language. So you'd be like lunch on Friday at 1230. So, you know, I could say record podcast with Shay tomorrow at, although it is today, I'll just say today at, um, when did we start 11, which is in the past and in real English, it just does all that smart stuff. And I could say like for an hour and it just, does it instead of doing a bunch of drop downs and different menu yeah. items and things. It's just a simpler way 
totally. to create stuff. So it's intuitive. I really like that. Do you use Siri very often? Yes, but yes, for what? Because that's exactly what right. I want to be able exactly. to say to Siri and then it figure it all out, right? right? And she'll do it okay. I, I honestly feel like Siri's been getting worse lately. Right? Yeah. The, the, what I think has happened is Apple's leaning harder on machine learning and it's been creating a bunch of issues about what it understands. So like dictation, I've really noticed dictation kind of go downhill lately. I, I expect it will get better. I'm pretty confident this will be temporary, but it's been frustrating that it doesn't work as well as I want. And um, so, yeah, I will use Siri. I can usually rely on Siri to say like, add to my calendar, meet Schaefer coffee tomorrow right. at 12. Like that, that'll usually yeah. work, but sometimes it doesn't. I'm just so looking forward to the day that I can speak to Siri in plain English and it works. And yeah. it works That's right? the one place that Google is, is doing better. Once we got a bunch of Google homes in our home, just speaking to it, it does a crazy good job. Google Assistant's really impressive. Yeah. And actually, I've been noticing you were talking about weather apps and things like that. I've actually taken them off my home screen because I've realized, oh, I actually just ask Siri this every right. morning, right? It's true. Or I, for weather, I often do the swipe left thing. Uh, I don't remember what that menu's called, but I don't always launch the app. I just check it there. Like right now, if I swipe left, it's minus 22 degrees Celsius in Calgary today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Today was, thanks for driving here, by the way. Oh, my pleasure. Okay. Next, Audible. I love audiobooks a lot. Listen to a lot of Audible. I think I've kind of been on more podcasts than audiobooks lately, but I have some catching up to do. There's some really great books I, I'm looking forward to getting around to. But Yeah. Yeah, I I love audiobooks. Actually, I'll get into the podcast thing a little bit more, I think, because I just love those easy to disseminate, you know, like quick info kind of things, especially for when yeah, I'm driving. I don't have dump. it like, yeah, right. love it, right? Yeah, yeah. But audiobooks, I think, is where it's I... It's more of a commitment. And it's where I started that kind of process, oh, right. right? I like, you know, starting a book and being able to listen to a bit of a story at a time as I was driving into work, but... For sure. Well, and that's how I got into it when I was young, too. I think my parents bought books on tape and stuff. And then I, um, the, the audible though really got me back into it because they were so expensive otherwise, but like audible subscriptions, you're basically paying like 11 or 12 bucks or a Canadian. So maybe, you know, 10 us something like that, but you're only paying a little bit like yeah. less than in the store. So yeah, that I, I really love it. Uh, then I've got the next two, one after the other Spotify and Apple music. I currently have a subscription to both and I've canceled both and restarted. So I don't know what I'm going to stick to in the long run, but why do you have both? What, what, what are the benefits of one over the well, other the, the where you're like, reason, Oh, I have to have both. the real reason I have both is because I've been working on like a music startup thing lately that, you know, uh, for the audience may or may not go anywhere. We're seeking funding, haven't found it yet. So, you know, we'll see if that becomes a thing. Anyway, it's just so that I'm aware of both worlds and, you know, I've played around with all of them. I really like the way that, there's things I like about both of them. I don't feel really strongly about either. Maybe it's because I listen to less music than I used to because I listen to so many podcasts. Spotify's Discovery Weekly is amazing. Everybody already knows that, I think. It's no way. yeah, uncanny what it can tell you you will like that you didn't realize. Uh, and then Apple, I really, I do like Beats. Like Beats 1, if you listen to a live, isn't always amazing. They play not always the genres that I'm really into, but they have some really awesome radio programs like hosted stuff. So there was a Elton John hosted show where he'd just DJ and then uh 
Josh Hame from Queens of the Stone Age had a show. Oh, it was cool. just like amazing hearing really great musicians play what they want to play and then talk about it. Like yeah. that, that, that was awesome. I, I love that stuff. And then they have great playlists as well. So some of the curation on Apple, I prefer. Yeah. And then those automated playlists on uh, Spotify, I prefer. So I don't know. Got my feet in both rivers. Is that a metaphor? Is that yeah. a thing people say? Yeah. But is okay. And then the same goes for um, my home page right now. I have Google maps, but I've also been using Apple maps more lately. I like the interface more for the updated Apple maps. I think it's, it's a little stronger now. The, there's more things you can reach in the bottom of the screen. So with the taller iPhone screens, you don't have to stretch as much. You can get things done at the bottom, which is a common issue. A lot of apps just haven't adjusted to this reality that phones are tall now and our thumbs aren't getting any longer. And uh, I, th- there's like really big touch items. I, I just, I love the interface for Apple Maps. Google Maps, I uh, just still more rich information, like I, I don't know if that ends up being true. Like there's never times I don't find my way in Apple maps and also like the Siri integration, obviously in Apple maps is helpful. And the turn by turn navigation is more integrated with the OS. So I don't know. I switch back and forth. They're both good. They're both free. So you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if I ever commit to one or the other, but yeah. it's been a while since I've been burnt, yeah. you know, by the maps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think they've both got it together. Now I, I know that, just from a technology standpoint, Google is ahead of Apple still, like they are leading the way, but, but Apple's done a pretty good job of catching him. Uh, next, let's get into some photography stuff. This is, this is the fun stuff. So I've got Filmborn, which was mentioned in a recent video. That is a film emulation app that like to edit your photos, to give it some more pop and some more look. And it looks what I find it best for is getting a really bright outdoor filmy look. So it's kind of the look that a lot of wedding photographers shoot film for, uh, where it's like airy and uh, not, not as strong of contrast is where it really excels. And I like that it's really fast to use. Like they only have a few filters, so you don't spend very long digging through it and it can modify the original, which Apple has this API where you can, update the it's basically like using internal filters like the apple filters which aren't as great and so it's the original version looks filtered but it still remembers the original original Mm. if that makes sense yeah so it's really quick to use that's what i like about it um for anything remotely more in depth i use vsco visco visual supply company however you want to say it uh do you do you use that? What do you, I what do, you yeah. filter with? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't actually do a whole lot of social stuff. Right. right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the go-to for me if I ever want to try and make something look pretty. Yeah. It, it, it's, it does a really good job. The, the best things about it are that they put a lot of time and effort into their image processing engine. Like it's, really well written. So if you're doing exposure adjustments and white balance adjustments and all this stuff, it is so smooth. Like it knows what a JPEG and it works with raw files as well, but it just knows how to treat the curve adjustments in a intelligent way that looks good. Like even if you didn't apply any of the filters of it and you just used it to adjust white balance and exposure, it does a a great job, a much better job than the light and color controls inside of the Apple app. I would never use the Apple app to edit anything, even to make a photo brighter. It does a bad job, a surprisingly bad job. So 
VSTO is awesome for that. And plus uh, the filters are excellent. There's tons of them. Um, I, I subscribe to the VSTO X, which is their like annual program. It's 20 bucks a year or something. I don't know. It's, a, it's not super cheap, but I use, I use this stuff so heavily that I don't mind. Then they added video filtering recently as well. So that, you know, I needed that. And that was the only way to get it, I think was through the subscription. So and the video filters are crazy. Like it does them in real time. So you can watch the video playing as you're making adjustments and you have all the same control, almost all the same controls as for photos. It's a good one, but you already have it. Do you buy, like, have you bought many filters? You know what? No, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, you know, what? it's on my phone because I had a conversation with you not too long ago. Oh, and I okay. was like, when what we are practicing I, for this <laughs> practice without even knowing yeah. that this would happen. You preemptively told me, hey, this app is one that you need to get. This is what I use for all of the editing and the adjustments that uh, I think you'll need if you ever get into posting in a big way. And um, I see the value there. But like I said, I'm just, it's not something that I do all that regularly. So I think a common mistake in it is that people don't buy any filters, which, you know what? This is pretty cheap. It's like a few bucks per filter pack. I don't know why people are, this is actually a general spiel I have about apps. Don't be so stingy about it. It's only a few dollars. Like I know some people can't afford a few dollars, but if you're using an iPhone, just these developers spend a ton of time making this stuff. And if they're doing an exceptional job, like the apps I'm talking about of Filmborn and VSCO and stuff, like this is pro level stuff. You can work with this. I, I totally don't mind. The value that it gives me is beyond the price. So if you, especially if you are, aspiring to be professional in any way, please just spend a few dollars. It's so worth it. Uh, and if you need a, a head start, the uh, filter packs that I, th- I think are mo- most worth it are the C-Pack, a, <clears throat> sorry, C-A-G. That's what I reach for the most. Those are my favorites. Just get those. You'll be off to a good start. Next on my screen is Safari, right? <laughs> uh, Twitter, I use the default Twitter app. I know this is actually kind of contentious. Um, you, you don't use Twitter, really. Not okay, at all. So I'll just talk to myself for a minute yeah, or two Please here. just <laughs> explain Twitter to me. Yeah. And I'll be happy. Uh, the official Twitter app is pretty controversial amongst geeks, and I don't really get it. I've tried switching a few times to things like Twitterific or what's the other one? I don't, I don't, even, I don't even tweet deck, but I, they just don't click for me. I, and it probably is just habit of being in, the official app for so long. Also, Twitter's been kind of aggressive to external developers, so they haven't been able to support all of the features, like polls are something that still aren't uh, supported in third-party apps. So I prefer to just have all my stuff there. It's funny, though, because there are actually ads in the official client that don't show up in other clients. So I'm voluntarily looking at advertising that I've already paid for the the third-party apps, and I keep going back to the one that has ads in it because I just the experience is right for me. I don't know why. I've given the other ones a try. They just didn't click. So yeah, I stick I stick to the first one. Then I've got Facebook. I don't know why this is still on my home screen. <laughs> like Do you the, open Twitter every day? Oh yeah. Twitter yeah. open a lot. Um I don't post tons to it. I mean, I I post uh I don't know, maybe one or two things a day. Right. Or less, sometimes nothing. But it's a news aggregate it's, for you, right? It, yeah, it's, it is my news yeah. source. So, you know, I could even do a show about like what I think creatives should follow on, on, on Twitter. But a lot of it's like podcasters that I like, news outlets, 
some like brands that I think do a good job of, of posting useful content. But yeah, it's how I stay up to date with stuff instead of going to news sites or blogs. And I actually I had interesting Twitter experience today. Uh, I like I don't always have a ton of engagement there. Like I think t- Twitter is hard for normal people to get into, which is why I don't think you use it a lot because it can just be speaking to silence, you know? right? Like to just start tweeting as a normal person, as opposed to Instagram or Facebook, I think right away you can find your circle of friends and then you're hanging out with them. Yeah. Like yeah. instantly it's changed your social dynamic. In a way. Right. You feel like you're having a dialogue rather than just speaking into the abyss. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Twitter, like people, nobody's going to follow you to start. And a lot of your friends are also aren't active on Twitter. Like it's not the same. So for nor- the way that normal people that aren't primarily content creators, should be using Twitter because I, th- I think it can be useful for everybody. Just like follow news outlets. Don't worry about if you're, if all your friends suck at Twitter, like they only post where they're eating tonight. Don't worry about following. I don't follow all my friends. I use it to follow people that put effort into their Twitter feeds. And I know that if they post something, they are trying to make it interesting. So right. you know, I try to make my Twitter like that too. So that, yeah. and anyway, I was going to say the interesting experience today was I posted a video that has had, Where'd it go? Oh, I just lost it. Um, I was responding to a podcast that I really like, uh, ATP, and it has almost 5,000 views now, which is crazy on yeah. Twitter. You know, uh, So it, what the reason that that can happen on Twitter, that th- this won't really happen on Facebook, is that it has this, the openness just means that it can spread so much further and you can connect to people that are, you know, kind of celebrities to you. Like these podcasters don't have massive audiences, but to me, I listen to them every week. And so like, you know, they, they matter to me. Like they're my personal celebrities and I can actually just mention them and then they get the message and they respond. And I love that. Yeah. That's cool. So Jay, that's what Twitter is. (laughs) Go try it out. And uh, then the next is the camera app. And this was a bit controversial in my recent videos is that I use like the built-in photo camera app on iPhone. I don't launch manual camera apps very often at all, unless I'm in like an extreme situation. Like I'm trying to get the shot and the white balance is constantly totally off. Like it, 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 the background is yellow and it can't figure it out. Then I'll launch a manual app or uh, the exposure is, you know, somebody's wearing an all black outfit. And so it wants to overexpose for the most part. It gets it right. Like the auto settings are usually correct and it does some really smart stuff with HDR that I'm not, able to think about even when HDR is not turned on, it's doing exposure combinations and stuff. Yeah. And it just does a good job and I can launch it faster than anything else. I don't have to think too hard about it. And that's the point of taking photos on my phone. If I want to think hard about it, I'll bring my camera around, you know, how do you, how do you launch your app? Typically, by the way, I, I really like the, the way that it is now, like the new kind of home screen launch thing. Oh, you don't have that. I always just swipe off, but I've got the, Seven plus, so I don't know if it's got the same. I don't actually going. remember if that's a that's not an interesting. Conversation. I don't remember mm-hmm. when that got added, but yeah, that's, that's what I yeah, used to do. Swipe, swipe from and, the bottom, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's the reason to use the built-in cameras app is because you can get to it instantly. Exactly. It's one thing I do like a bit more about some of the Android phones, though, is that you can double press the power button to launch it, and that does sometimes make you accidentally turn on your camera. That's not great, but. This is a huge advantage if you ever have gloves on. So for example, I've been skiing quite a bit lately, taking photos out there and I can't launch 
my iPhone, like I, I've been doing it with both phones yeah. and I can't launch the camera on my phone without taking my glove off. I can't get into my phone wearing gloves, you know, <laughs> right. like since the, yeah. uh, like solid yeah. home button. Well, that's a, that's a reason for an iPhone 10. Uh, right. that is a really nice thing about the 10 that was being yeah. able to launch it with gloves on, which I'm still sort of surprised by it each time. I'm like, wow, it worked. That's cool. But if I could launch the camera like that, it, it is really, really helpful being able to launch the camera and take a photo all with hardware buttons and in some ways it makes those phones so that for me that's the pixel 2 and sometimes the samsung s8 it kind of makes them more real cameras right like that i can operate them without worrying about the touch interface at all yeah um and i often like whenever i'm scrambling to get my camera open it's always you know cumbersome yeah right on the iphone and i feel like i basically i like the fact that i'm carrying around a good quality camera now yeah. and I want to be able to access it easily and often. Right. So I've definitely missed good photos yeah. because of it. So yeah. I, I don't think they're going to change that, but once I was exposed to the other way, then, you know, I couldn't really go back. And then the next one on my home screen is Instagram. Well, you know, uh, follow me at Stallman. Hey, wh- where should they follow you on Instagram while we're on it? Oh, um, you know what? Maybe my brand Smith studio. Yeah. I think that's the right place. You yeah. post good stuff there. Then, Tying into Instagram, I'm not going to go into everything on the next screen because that is five more episodes. I have so many other apps just buried in here, but I'm going to do one more that is what the interview coming up is all about, and that's Spark Camera. It's relatively new to my phone. It hasn't been on here a long time, but what it does is let me basically instantly edit well-produced videos. So similar to making an Instagram story, the whole screen is the camera and you just press and hold to start recording and then you let go and it stops. So you can just start recording a bunch of clips and it assembles them together and then you can post that to your Instagram story or to whatever you want. So on the fly, you're editing something that can be pretty high production. It also has nicer filters than many other things. Uh, A huge advantage of doing your Instagram stories there instead of in Instagrams, it also turns on image stabilization for some reason, Instagram and Snapchat don't have full access to like the camera, the full camera API. So it can't, it doesn't turn on stabilization. I, I don't know why. And I think it does some other things that make the quality worse. Like it's not, it doesn't look as good. So this uses the same thing as the video camera, the proper camera app looks way better. And um, we're going to talk about that in a bit more detail. But before I go to the other interview, Thanks for joining me, Shay. Thank you. And I let's bring you back sometime and we'll talk more about creative endeavors. Oh my gosh, I'd love that. Awesome. Hey, you bet. Thanks. Thank you. So next I have Dominic from Spark Camera and we met at the Apple event in New York recently and I was just so excited to find this app. Honestly, everybody that's been watching my stories has been excited by it too. It can make them so much more dynamic and exciting. And in the future, I want to talk more about the details of how to edit stuff like this, how to edit well quickly. But for now, let's talk to the developer behind this great app. I think it's something that a lot of people may not even realize they need in their life. But I I knew I was searching for this, which is, you know, if if you haven't already downloaded the app, I mean, I definitely go take a look at it. It's like a really quick way of adding a, a real level of polish to your video edits really quickly. So it's the same simplicity as doing, say, Instagram stories or Snapchat, but with a lot more refinement and control over what it is. So, you know, don't don't let me explain it. Like, how do you look at it, Dominic? Yeah, so what we noticed was 
we'd go throughout a day, we'd go to a show, we'd go to an event, and we'd record a bunch of clips. And then at the end of the day, we'd end up with a bunch of clips in our camera roll, but we wouldn't have a video. And when it comes to making a video, it just turns into a big headache, or you just frankly forget. Um, so we made Spark Camera with that in mind, so that when you're done shooting an event, shooting a show, shooting a day, a weekend, um, you're pretty much done with the video. The video just gets automatically stitched together. You can quickly add uh, filters or trim, edit, reorder clips. You can add a song and you can really dive deep into all of the pro features. But overall, on a high level, what it does for you is that it lets you capture whatever you're looking to capture and then it's automatically stitched together um, into a video. Well, and I had been looking for it specifically for stories, which are, of course is not the only application, but that that's the compromise I was making is that either I was being sort of lazy and making it so simple, which is what we all, this is how we all do stories right now is you just hit record, do something for 15 seconds, you talk for 15 seconds or you walk around, whatever. And, and then you post it, but that 15 seconds is a long time. Like that's a really long shot. And honestly, people can get bored much faster than that. So I, I found adding the energy of having, you know, one, two, three second cuts really makes it a lot more compelling. And you can you can show a lot more in these brief moments. And um, I totally agree with what you're saying about the challenge of getting home and you've got a bunch of clips sitting on your phone and, you know, you were just busy all day and are you really going to sit there for another hour and, and edit them? Um, you know, I, I like iMovie. I've done a, a bunch of edits on my phone using iMovie in the past. It's it's great. And there's other competing apps, but I do less with it. Like I use it less often. So uh, yeah, I've been excited about this feeling of that. I can just be done within literally within minutes. Like if I have the idea, I can just shoot it and hit export and it's finished. So. Right. Exactly. And you know, we first built this app before uh, Instagram and Snapchat stories because me and my friends loved making videos. We were storytellers at heart and we wanted to be able to tell stories through our iPhone because you know, the, there's that quote, the best camera is the one that you have with you. And more and more, the iPhone is the only camera that we have. And so, yeah, so now, you know, being able to quickly shoot a video makes a lot more sense through the iPhone. And so, yeah, that, that's always been our passion, storytelling. It's great that we've built a product just around that. Yeah, for sure. I love it. So what do you guys see as the latest developments in like how the sort of video, online video industry is is heading? Like, do you know what people are primarily using the app for? Like where videos are going? Are people vlogging or making home videos or is it other people doing stories? What's your sense of where things things are going lately. Right. Well, we both met at the uh, Fashion Week event, and that is a great example of the prominence of video. Um, we had I met with a ton of media outlets out there, and they've been really wanting to do a lot more video. Video is becoming bigger and bigger thing on Instagram and other social media platforms. We've seen a lot of people doing more and more longer form videos and sort of like vlogs, especially on YouTube. And so we've seen there, there being a much bigger focus from the professional crowd to make high quality videos. 
Right. And I was talking to some people at that event. Yeah, Apple put on this little Fashion Week event and we um, were talking about how big publications like, well, there's just folks there from the big New York publications and they're saying how there's sort of some pressure from on top to do what traditionally would be created on big professional cameras that they have. They all have access to any camera they want to use, but that there is a demand for this mobile creation. Um, and I think it's worth thinking about like, what are the reasons that you would choose one over the other? Because because it's not that you should always use the most expensive camera around. And, you know, the best camera is the one you have with you. So sometimes you should bring a big camera, but sometimes you shouldn't. Um, so to me, like exploring why you would pick up an iPhone instead of a little SLR is really interesting. Like to me, the advantages are, are most of all immediacy. I find that the most exciting thing about it, which is why I've been using it so much for stories, is that I can get the content posted while it's still happening, basically, right? Like, well, it's completely fresh. And that's never going to be possible with a large, either, you know, mirrorless camera or cinema camera. You're always going to need to download the footage and, and do some real work on it. Your your grading process takes longer. Your editing process, everything just is much more time consuming. And on my phone, it can be live and visible while it is still completely relevant. So like that, I've just found that super exciting. 100%. And another thing that I'd like to add to that is that with a DSLR, if you stick a DSLR in somebody's face, um, all of a sudden it creates a barrier between you and them. And there is some sort of uncomfortable feeling between the two of you. Right. With an iPhone um, or, you know, any mobile device, it's become so normal that people don't really even flinch when, when a phone comes out to record something. So I feel like you can get much more genuine and authentic footage with a mobile phone as opposed to, you know, one of those DSLRs or pocket cameras. Well, I remember a few years back when Vice did that sort of defining uh, trip to North Korea where um, Shane and his buddy were just using their little point and shoot cameras because they had to pretend they weren't making a movie. They couldn't let the government realize that they were really right. doing serious journalism while they were there. So they just used crappy little cameras. And it absolutely does not matter to the storytelling. You know, they were able to tell that story because of the format that they were shooting on. They couldn't have done the same thing on a bigger camera. If they had been so committed to image quality that they'd insisted on a large camera, it wouldn't have worked. They wouldn't have had the story. So, you know, it can have huge advantages there. Right. And yeah, going off of that, adding constraints can sometimes increase your creativity. So the constraint of everything being shot on a phone can really be liberating. Yeah, for sure. And what I, what I want to start working on is setting up a kind of ultimate iPhone rig, so to speak, like that keeps it simple and small, but that I can not feel restricted. So, you know, right now, the, a big thing is the audio. Like I, I would love to have better audio quality going into my iPhone. Um, I find that it's it's decent for stories because people are only watching out of the speakers on their phone. And that's when you don't notice the degradation, right? Like you're usually holding a phone close to you, like in selfie mode. And right. at that distance, the mic picks you up fine. And then when it comes out of another phone, then that sounds fine. But I'd love to be able to move it to the point that even if you're watching on a real computer with speakers or with headphones, it still sounds pretty decent. So, you know, I know that Sure has little lightning port uh, mics that you can add, kind of look into that, or you can plug a uh, lavalier mic directly into the phone. Um, so I don't know, I want to start experimenting with little additions like that. And then I would love to try out the new DJI gimbal that they made for, what are they called? Uh, uh, mobile, Osmo Mobile, that lets you 
plug your phone in. Yeah. And really stabilize it. But I should add, that's actually one thing that is a huge reason to use an app like Spark Camera for your stories. And one thing that was driving me to it is all of these um, sort of instant posting apps like Instagram Stories and Snapchat, they disable some of the main functionality. Uh, And I'd love to actually, if you have any insight into why that's happening, like, please tell me. But they don't allow for image stabilization being the the biggest thing. Um, And the quality just generally seems to be worse than using the stock camera app or a a more professional app or Spark camera. So Mm -hmm. what's going on there? Why why do those apps lose some of that functionality? Well, when you do add um, image stabilization, it does crop the area a little bit more than if you just uh, went raw. Mm-hmm. So that could be one of the reasons why they, they don't want it uh, zoomed in. I think that for for a platform like Snapchat, th- they're not really going for the like smooth and pro look. I uh, know, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, as, yeah, I mean, as far as the content goes, they want it to be as authentic as possible. So sometimes, you know, if, if, if something looked like it was on a gimbal, it wouldn't feel real. Mm-hmm. And so that might be why they're going that way. I think that, you know, the way we view our product is that it's great for creating something higher quality and it's perfect for posting on Instagram just to, to the feed. If you did want to add it to your story, it's actually um, pretty cool because if you, if you posted through our app, you can actually add a minute long video to your story um, without them chopping it up into 15 seconds. Wait, wait, why, why, how? I had no idea about this. Yeah. Um, it's, can you say that again? Like just if, if I use the posting feature within spark camera. Yes. Through Instagram. Um, so basically if you, when you go to the share page, I'm going to look at this right now. Yeah. When you go to the share page, um, you hit Instagram, it'll take you to Instagram and then you can choose between your feed and your story. If you add it to your feed, It'll not chop it up. It won't clip it. It'll be the full video. Oh, okay, cool. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, we, we were actually surprised. We're not actually sure if it's a bug or feature of Instagrams. <laughs> just, just glad that it's there. We're not complaining. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the nice thing about using uh, something like Spark for your story is that you can have a more engaging and quicker paced story that will hopefully prevent people from just tapping through your um, story and then skipping to the next one. Yeah, exactly. That's my strategy with it. If I'm only posting 30 seconds a day, then I think it's a lot more likely that somebody would watch it all the way through. I mean, I, I would be, um, you know, any, anybody else that I'm watching doing this kind of stuff, I'm much more likely to keep watching and finish it and, you know, get, get the point of what they wanted to get across than you know, it, it kind of in the more traditional story method. So, yeah. And, and actually the other cool thing about posting to the story, as opposed to the feed is from what we can tell, they don't take down videos that have music. That's a part of your story, but if it's in your feed, they will. Right. Yeah. I've been really enjoying that, that I can just use any, <laughs> uh, any music that I want when I'm doing stories, which I've been so used to needing stock music for everything. Right. But um, yeah, it's kind of liberating. No, I mean, like if, if you're a major publication, I think you can still get in trouble. But as far as um, just general consumers, I think you're in the clear. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I still want to make sure disclaimer, like everybody, you should be paying for music when you're really using it. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just when when stories disappear so quickly and I'm not a major publication, you know, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not, I mind less in that situation. But. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this, Dominic. And like, just to remind everybody where can they find the app? What what do they need to do to download it? And, and what does it cost? Yeah, so right now it's free. Um, you can find it in the iPhone App Store. 
it you'll notice that when you when you download it that we've spent a lot of time on the design of it and the design can be it's a very minimal design which can need a little bit warming up to but once you play around with it i think that you'll really love it awesome yeah i i think it's fun too but i i kind of agree that it's it'd be very helpful if people um do you have like a tutorial online at all because I, I found your explanation really fast forward to me to understanding it better. Right. Um, yeah, we actually do. I can uh, send you a link of it. I, I, I'm pretty sure that if you just search YouTube uh, Spark Camera Tutorial, you'd be able to find it there. Cool. I'll put it in the show notes. All right. All right. Thanks for hanging out. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 